0: Hey, my name is J.D. Larson, one of the pastors at North City Church. Thanks for joining us on our podcast. I hope this inspires and equips you to love God more deeply and to love your neighbor as yourself. At North City, our mission is to love our neighbors in the way of Jesus, and we hope this message emboldens you to do just that in whatever space God has sent you to. Be sure to subscribe and keep in touch with the conversations North City is having. And If you want to find out more about our community, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram or online at northcitychurchmpls.com. Enjoy the message. Well, hey everyone, this is Pastor Christian Ann and uh, it's a joy to be with you in this way, even though it's it's not yet all back in the same room again. And uh, I just wanna say, um, I really miss you guys. <laughs> I know that might be the obvious, but um, even though I've been able to see some of you, I, I just miss, truly miss being all worshiping in the same space. There's nothing like that. And so I look forward to that day once again. Um, until then, uh, I, I'm grateful that we are able to gather digitally and uh, look forward to times when we can slowly start coming back together again. But we're going to be continuing into our uh, spirit-led conversation. And I just want to start off with this question for you. Have you ever tried to change something that has always been done that way? Okay. What I think of So let me ask you it again. Have you you ever tried to change something in your family, in your life that has always been done that way? We just came off of the holidays, right? And I know that COVID changed a lot of things of how we might have celebrated. But next year, we'll be back in all the Christmas traditions that we ever had, right? And in my mind, these are like the holy grails of it's always been done that way. So when I when I started dating JD, and I think, as far as I can remember, I was invited when the relationship started getting serious around Christmas time, but they have this unique um, family gathering that's like 50 people, and um, it's this huge meal together, and Uh, I was, I knew I was invited and a part of the family when I was invited to that. And when I was invited to make something, I was on this big text of all women, kind of traditional. (laughs) Um, I was commissioned to make sweet potatoes. And to be honest, I was not pleased with what I was asked to make. Because in my mind, when you get invited and you say, hey, can you bring something like you get, asked what would you like to bring but no I was assigned sweet potatoes Um, and honestly I never really made sweet potatoes that wasn't really part of my family tradition that often and I knew oh I knew that it was the ones that had the huge marshmallows on top like that was what was expected of me so I started changing things just a little bit and I made mine with like pecans and then like five marshmallows in the middle, <laughs> like a tiny little portion of marshmallows. Um, I, sl- I did a little bit of a change, right? I think I use like coconut oil in my recipe or something like that. Um, and I just, this, this dinner is just so quintessential. Like it's always been done that way. Like another thing, uh, root beer, every family unit is commissioned and asked to bring two liters of A&W root beer. I don't even drink root beer. (laughs) I don't mind it, but like root beer and then cans of olives. It's a weird thing. Um, But I bring this up because two years ago, uh, J.D.'s sister decides to say, no, I'm not going to bring root beer. I'm bringing LaCroix. I'm bringing sparkling water. (laughs) And I was like, yes! Yes! Someone's trying to make the change. It's not always gonna be done this way. It's not always gonna be root beer and black olives. Anyway, I was like, whoa, ripples are being made in these family traditions. You know, it's like, why do we have to make green bean casserole with like soy sauce and cream of mushroom soup? Anyway, I could get it into all the, <laughs> the weird like food traditions, but I won't. So I bring that up to say like, there are so many things in our lives And when you think about it, whether it be circumstances, or how you react to certain things, that you might think, gosh, I feel like I'll always do it that way. Or why does it always have to be like that way in my life? And so have you ever tried to change something like that within yourself, within your soul, and you you doubt it? You doubt, there's no way that that's gonna change in me. Have you ever felt that sense of powerlessness, lack of agency, that you're just so ingrained in maybe the habits that you have in your life. Maybe you feel trapped in your anxiety. You feel trapped in certain behaviors or unhelpful habits, anger, grief. You just feel stuck in that cycle. I want to ask you this. Do you think that God wants you to feel that way? Do you think God wants you to feel stuck? that you'll never change, that you'll just always stay that way. No. (laughs) No. And in our spirit-led conversation, J.D. did such a great job of of trying to describe who the Holy Spirit is last week, which we'll chat about a little bit. And we believe, the, the big point of today is that we believe that the Holy Spirit can change us. Can change us. The way that J.D. defined the Holy Spirit, kind of through the Help of the Bible Project, and if you haven't listened to um, that little clip of who the Holy Spirit is, I highly encourage you to do that. But they talk about it like this. The Holy Spirit is the energizing personal presence of God. The Holy Spirit is the energizing personal presence of God. And so today we're going to be seeing and looking at some scripture that helps us see that the Holy Spirit is the power to change. The Holy Spirit is the power to change in our lives. We're going to be reading in Romans 7 and 8, so I encourage you to turn there. Uh, We're going to be starting in verse 21. And these are some of my favorite passages because of how human they are. You see the contrast in in chapter 7 to chapter 8. And the difference that Jesus makes. And we're only going to talk about a chunk of of these scriptures today but i encourage you to go and read it read both of those chapters back to back and see what the holy spirit has to say to you so starting in verse twenty one uh... the apostle paul is writing to the church in romans and you know he's doing the work to describe the gospel and i would say this is the section where he really dives deep into the change that the gospel and that Jesus makes in our own inner lives starting in verse 21. So I find this law at work. although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me waging war against the line of my sorry waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched person I am! Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God, who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature a slave to the law of sin. Therefore, There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For the law was powerless to do what it was weakened by the flesh. God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. Just pause for a second. If you look even in this brief section, Paul really names the body here. When you hear flesh, hear body. And that Jesus comes to redeem us not only in our minds, but in our bodies. And the flesh are the things that are not yet redeemed and not what God imagined our bodies to be. He's not condemning our bodies, but saying what could they look like in light of the Holy Spirit. So I'll pick it up in verse, uh, verse 4 here. In verse 3. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And he so condemned the sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Verse 5. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance to the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. We spent some time as a staff to to dwell on this word together, on, on this scripture. And multiple of us said, you know, Thank you, God, that that one of the most holy, reverent people, apostles, teachers of the New Testament is saying, like, I try to do good, but I just can't. (laughs) Like, I feel so trapped. Like, the the prison language in in this scripture is so real, right? Like, I feel so trapped. I'm a prisoner. I'm a slave to the law. I'm a slave to this way of thinking, this old way of being. And I try to do good, right? I want to, I want to, I love, I want to do these kind and good things. I want to do what's right, but I fall into the same traps. Like if Paul is, is openly admitting that, then we sure can. We don't have to pretend. So we found a lot of comfort in Paul's struggle. Like we let's just name that we do that sometimes. Like, okay, that person's struggling, okay, good. 2020 was awful for them too? Okay, yeah. So I just I just want to name like this is not unique to any one person. This is all of our condition. The the struggle that we face, the the trapped imprisonment that we face. And he brings up the law. Now, for us as maybe evangelical Christians or even just modern day Christ followers, the people who didn't grow up in much of a Jewish tradition, sometimes the law language can be kind of confusing or just distracting. Well, He's really trying to describe the, the religiosity, the the moralism that the Jewish people um, clung onto instead of the person of God. And so when you hear law, hear this moral code, and let's just be real, Christians have a moral code, right? <laughs> we grew up with what was right, what was wrong, and it may have been biblical, but sometimes that got elevated above the person of God, right? Moralism, or you could even say the Father, Son, and Holy Scriptures, and the Bible got elevated above who God is. So for the Jewish people, the law was given to Moses as a way to point God's people back to him. It was never intended to save us. And that's why I love this language that Paul uses. It is powerless to save us this moral code that we sometimes live by or these habits in our lives it's not going to save us good or bad the law was never meant to be a mechanism for redemption it it was simply to point the jewish people for their need for a savior the law shows us the gap of where we don't measure up And that's not to make us feel terrible about ourselves. It's to bring us to a point of surrender and to say we need a savior. Uh, The book that we've been using, and I think they they bring up a great quote that talks about this in regards to this juxtaposition of the law and this moral code and what it means to live a spirit-led life. Uh, The book we've been using for discipleship table is called Boundaries for Your Soul. And... uh, It's been really helpful in just giving some really rich conversation about what it means to have a spirit-led self. This is how they talk about the law and and kind of this juxtaposition in in Romans 7 and 8. Uh, Initially, God gave Moses the Ten Commandments, this written external code, um, as a way to communicate his laws. The laws were wise standards that still apply today. Uh, Don't worship false gods. Don't create idols. Don't murder. Take a weekly rest. You might know most of the Ten Commandments. But they say this, the problem was that the knowledge of these standards didn't empower God's people to live by them. Let me say that again. The problem was that the knowledge of these standards didn't empower God's people to live by them. The truth is, let the truth set you free, friends. The truth is, no one lives up to the standards that God gave Moses. No one lives up to the Ten Commandments. And so what I see in this scripture, when I hear, when I pray about North City and I think about how we are supposed to live this life, is that the law, these moral codes that we might have come up with or might have been taught, if it's not based in scripture, one, throw it away. <laughs> it might not be helpful. Um, all truth is God's truth, but I just want to say that there's, there's ways that we might cling to these codes more than christ right so the law is not pointless but it is powerless to save us morals moral codes should point us to jesus and our need for him oftentimes religiosity just becomes oppressive rigid rules that we we feel like we these burdens that we need to live by but jesus says is sort of his mission statement in luke 4 when he comes out of the desert, out of his time with the Holy Spirit and out of temptation, he says, this is my, he reads this scripture when he goes into the temple. He says, from Isaiah, I have come to set the captives free. To bring freedom to slaves. To, to free us from oppression. So it's not to weigh us down, but it, it's to set us free. So the law is not doing that. Bring that question to God and say, is this helping me live a spirit-led life? So that leads me to sort of my second point and and the second part of this message, which is what is a spirit-led life? (laughs) What difference does the Holy Spirit make in our lives? A spirit-led life isn't necessarily dictated by the law, right? No, it's an empowered life. It's a changed life. That's what I want you to hear today. A spirit-led life is a changed life because life in the spirit sets us free from these prisons that sometimes we find ourselves in, these codes or these habits or these, you know, just being um, ruled by our our own desires or things within our body that that sort of lead us down paths we don't want to be down. How do we live a spirit-led life, not one that's to the whim of either these strict moral codes or simply by just what feels good when I'm coping with my life. Oh, recently I heard um, just a, a real, a, maybe not heard, but I as, as time has gone on, I've, I've really tried to study more about the body-mind connection, um, sort of how we become these whole beings and what I just love is just the way that God writes redemption into our bodies. Let me share more about what I mean by that. I'm going to try to say this word neuroplasticity, neuroplasticity, <laughs> whichever way it's underlined in red in my notes because I'm not sure how to spell it. And like, it's hard to say. Anyway, the, the, the plasticity of your mind, your brain physically, your brain can change. Your brain can, over time, grow new pathways and learn how to do new things, okay? Follow me here. Over time, through habits that we do and things we do every day, we get dressed every day, maybe you make coffee every day, there's certain things that your brain learns how to do by repetition. Your brain can also learn how to do new things until the day it dies. And there's new pathways, not just in in physical actions that we do, but in emotional pathways, in mental pathways, the ways in which we think can change. Think about it like hiking trails. The trails that you've gone down over and over are well-worn, but your brain can actually create new trails, can go off course, can take a different way. And the Holy Spirit's, role. Holy Spirit's role is to help us tread those new paths. Gives us the courage to tread new paths, new ways of being. And you might not know which way to go. You not know Might not know how to start a new path, but that is where the Holy Spirit's leadership comes in and say, I don't want to think this way anymore. I don't want my life to be dictated by anxiety. I don't want to be continuously jealous about this person in my life. I don't want to be you know, frustrated with my relationship with my father. Whatever it is, you can have new pathways in your brain, in your heart, in your body and the holy spirit will lead you to that path of life and peace as we see in the scripture and there's helpful habits and there's unhelpful habits there's ways that you deal with pain in your life and you cope with that are those healthy habits in your life or are they destructive now the holy spirit now i would say there's there's many people who can change without the holy spirit But I think a lot of times the pathways in our lives the ones that might be the unhelpful ones can feel like prisons. We see a lot of that language as we look at this scripture. Rescue me from this body that's subject to death. That doesn't mean my body is bad. But there's ways of thinking. There's ways of being that I've come, become accustomed to. There are scripts in my mind that I feel captive to. But thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And now there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The law is powerless to change you. But what God did was send his son to experience this life in a body. And to say, there's a new way of being that the Holy Spirit can offer you. But you need to surrender and say, this path isn't working anymore. (laughs) This way of thinking, this way of being is not working anymore. Will you show me a different way? That is the role of the Holy Spirit. Because your mind, your body, your brain, it can change. It can create those new pathways. But are we willing to admit the gap? And to say, Spirit, I need your leadership in my life. I need your help to change. We, uh, as part of you know, when we were starting North City, wanted a consistent space for people to tackle these trapped areas of their life. The the parts of their lives that felt most far from Jesus. And we started our discipleship tables, our discipleship spaces, before we even had a worship gathering because we realize there's such a gap of honest, real space where we can just lay it out in transparency before God and others, the places that we feel stuck, or we just say, I'm never going to change. So I was talking with someone who has been a part of our discipleship table process from the beginning. And... Um, she's someone who would say she's struggled with anxiety much of her adult life. And I asked her as I interviewed her about it, like, what would you say your life is like when the, you feel like the Holy Spirit is leading you? And what would you say your life is like when your anxiety is leading you? And she said, well, <laughs> when I'm not turning the Holy Spirit, um, I can't get my mind to stop racing. I feel like sometimes I have physically like tunnel vision, uh can't think about others, I find myself shaking or just nervous. There's insomnia, I shortness of breath. Those are all physical manifestations of her anxiety, right? And her mind can't stop. And then she said when I do feel like I'm turning to the Holy Spirit, I feel a calm, a curiosity about why I'm feeling this way. Um my mind can stop racing. I turn on worship music as as a way to help me cope well. And I go on a walk. I start to experience this peace that passes understanding. And there's these practices that she talks about that she's learned to do um, from her counselor um, through just trying different things as she's done them over and over. One is just at the end of the day, lying in bed, looking over her day, saying, what was helpful? Was that a helpful thought or feeling? And if it wasn't, I'm going to say, I'm not going to let that rule my life. I'm going to try to breathe in truth and breathe out the untruths. And so the Holy Spirit is doing this work in partnership with her. The Holy Spirit is bringing this life and peace, as it talks about in this chapter. And what I love about her story is that it's through this space of of transformation, of saying, we needed these vulnerable spaces to say, hey, this is how I'm doing on this. This is a pathway I'm trying to create my life, this different way of being with the Holy Spirit, guiding me this way, but I need accountability to do that. And I'm seeking to trust in the Spirit for this new way of being. I've never walked down this path before. I've never tried these things in my life. I don't even know if they're going to work. But I've got to try a different way. And so my prayer is that we would. We would trust the Holy Spirit for these new ways of being. And we would trust the Holy Spirit that He has the power to change not just by our own efforts but we need an outside source to give us the courage and the willpower and the energy to do this because the holy spirit as jd was talking about is this energizing personal presence of god who dwells in us is promised to dwell in us and it's not any of these one feelings that, that my hope my hope here is that it's not Any of these one feelings like uh, anxiety or pain or shame or depression, that that's what is leading us. Or if you're using like a bus metaphor, we have all these feelings that are on our bus. Are we letting any of those one thing, those feelings, those thoughts, drive us in a day, depict our worth? Or are we calmly walking up to the front of the bus and saying, Holy Spirit's gonna drive with me. It's gonna show us a different way. I just I wanna encourage you, North City, because the Holy Spirit lives within you. And from my own testimony, <laughs> my own life, when I have tried to change, when I try to do this on my own effort, I fall on my face exhausted because it doesn't work and the times when i've experienced the most change in my life and the times when i've even been able to testify about who jesus is in my life is honestly in these times of complete surrender and giving up and saying god show me a different way show me a different way i want to close with this When I looked over the different times when the Holy Spirit sort of distinctly shows up in the Bible, in Scripture, one of the scenes is Jesus' baptism. Now pause there. The end of this chapter in, in Romans 8, it says that when the Holy Spirit dwells in us, he allows us to call out to Abba, Father. The word for Daddy that's how it could be translated. You could call out like, you, like a child would to their dad, to their parent. Because we are sons and daughters of God. We're marked by that, by the Holy Spirit. And so at Jesus' baptism, one of the ways the Holy Spirit distinctly shows up is he appears on him like a dove, descends on him like a dove. And out from the heavens, this voice declares, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. Another way that's translated is this is my son in whom I delight. And I want to invite you, North City, a metric or a way of of knowing that you're walking in step with the Spirit is when you can receive that delight from God in your life. Do you know that the Lord delights in you? Can you let that become a part of your identity so that you have these, this good courage to go down these different ways of being? To say, yeah, I maybe have always responded to this situation in shame or bitterness or frustration or anger. or I've always coped with these unhealthy coping mechanisms, but my God delights in me and I can live a different way. That's what I pray over you. That is what I pray over our church. Can you receive this delight from your creator, from God, your father, from like a parent proud of their kid? That's my prayer. (laughs) The spirit empowers us, is the power to change. And that change is amazing to, to experience that freedom. And I hope that we can tell many stories of freedom and change and growth and transformation in our own lives as this church continues its story in this northwest corner of Minneapolis. We're going to close uh, with a song called Egypt, which is this amazing story in the Bible of freedom, physical bondage. But the Egypt had to come out of them just as much as they had to get out of Egypt. And so that's my prayer for you, is that the Lord would awaken the ways that the captivity, the, the ways that you feel stuck, the moral codes that haven't been helpful for you, that those can, you can be released from those so that you might be able to experience the change and freedom found in the Holy Spirit. I pray that the Spirit would lead us in new and fresh ways in 2021. Hey, this is Pastor Christian Ann of North City Church. Thanks so much for listening to this message today. We hope you feel more empowered to love your neighbors in the way of Jesus. If you have thoughts or questions, we would love to hear from you. You can leave us a voice message on our website, northcitychurchmpls.com backslash sermons. Learn more about the North City community there as well. And you can find us on Facebook and Instagram. A special thanks goes out to Ben Noble for the music on this podcast. If you haven't heard Ben Noble's music yet, check it out at bennoblemusic.com. Let me send you into your day with this blessing. May God give you the eyes to see and the ears to hear all that God is doing in the world around you. And may he give you the courage to respond. Amen. Amen.